Welcome to the good, the bad, and the sequel Q&A. My name's Doug. Happy New Year 2024. We are so excited because we are hitting the ground running. The first sequel that we're going to be covering is one of my favorite sequels of all time. One of my, my favorite sequel in the franchise. And that is Scream 2. And for it, I talked to the man that did the editing on that film and pretty much every one of Wes Craven's works after New Nightmare, Patrick Lussier. Man, Patrick was so much fun to talk to. He's part of that niche of our interviews that I've been lucky to do over the last almost five years of the people that got into filmmaking, acting, stunt, whatever, from Canada and they just just so happened to be starting their career mid 80s, late 80s. And uh, yeah, he started on working on shows like 21 Jump Street and The Hitchhiker, both worked out of Vancouver. So right at that boom, he was there for it. And we talked about his connection with Wes Craven after working with him on a short-lived uh, NBC series called Nightmare Cafe. And then we talked about the transition into directing and how important it is you know, not for everyone, but to know the, the the other jobs on set, like being an editor, how that helps you edit while you're shooting. And he edited, he directed some phenomenal movies over the years that I, I truly love. Love Dracula 2000. It was the movie that put, you know, really Gerard Butler. That was his first like big movie that you saw him in. And then we talked about my Bloody Valentine, which I absolutely love. Phenomenal movie. Drive Angry. He had some really cool stories about working with Nicolas Cage. But the ones that obviously meant the most to me is uh, Scream. The first Scream. You talked about the editing process. How after they watched it, they had to do some different editing throughout it. Because, you know, who the killer or killers, if you haven't seen the movie... Uh, they're sort of revealed uh, beforehand. And he told me about Scream 3, that they were writing that while they were filming it. So the actors didn't even know who the killer was, which is pretty fascinating. Patrick is great. He he loves he loves movies. He talks about what inspired him as a kid to get into movie making. I think you'll find that super interesting. I'll let him tell that story. And yeah, so if you're new here, welcome Please subscribe. Follow us on all social media at sequels only. If you're on YouTube, subscribe there too. There'll be an unedited video version of this that you could check out. So you can see Patrick tell the story or you can listen because you're here already. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is a fun one. Uh, just it's so amazing on this sequel watching journey with uh, my buddy Jamie and all these interviews you get to do to talk to somebody that really the editor is so important in the process of putting together, especially a movie. That's a whodunit. It's uh it's pretty cool to hear the behind the scenes working of it and what you're looking for. It was pretty neat. So without further ado, here is director, editor, and Canada's favorite Patrick Alessier. So did you grow up in that section of Canada? Like the Vancouver, like Western Canada? Yeah, yeah. I I grew up in Western Canada and uh, lived in Vancouver and uh, in a town uh, 500 miles north called Prince George. Okay, uh, between those two places. And then, like, at what point growing up was it that you thought of? Was it one time you went to the the movies or? Yeah, it it, it really was uh, seeing Star Wars, right? Really, uh, the original back when I was yeah, and and part of it was there was just so much about the making of that movie. That was the first time you really got a glimpse of, oh, there's an actual job uh, <laughs> where you make movies and, and, and you go do that. So, you know, that, that had a lot to do uh, with understanding, you know, I, I think I wanted to work in comic books or something before that, but, uh, and then that changed everything. It's sort of like, oh, okay, that's a goal to try and, to try and reach is to, is to, uh, um, uh, it occurred to me, I had too much headroom. Uh, so I'm trying to match yours. Uh, it's all good. <laughs> um, but it, that would be something to do. And, you know, I had a lot of people on the way sort of tell me that, uh, it was unlikely, uh, being from Canada as a kid at that time, that that was going to happen. And, uh, but you know, my dad was, was, 
uh, he'd always wanted to be a DJ as a kid, and he didn't do that. Really? Like an old-time radio DJ? Like that kind? Yeah, that's what he wanted to do. And uh, and he told me that, you know, if you want it bad enough, you'll get it. You just don't want it bad enough. He was a guy who who took up the, the trombone at 45 uh, because of his love of Glenn Miller. Never played a musical note in his life. That's awesome. And, uh, and you know, for the latter half of, of his life, he's still alive. But he, he's, you know, played in multiple bands. And, and, and you know, so so he was sort of proof that you could, you could do things no matter when you tried to do it, as long as you wanted it bad enough. Yeah, keep that mind sharp, you know, especially at 45, you know. Yeah. Mostly people are like, all right, I'm done. This is, I'm going to, whatever I know, I know. Like, yeah. That, well, then, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's, you know, and 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 uh, and played all the way up to you know just a couple of years ago. Oh wow! Uh, and he's he's eighty eight now. So I'll sign up for eighty eight right now. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool that you had somebody like uh, like an inspiration, somebody that said, "Hey, if you want it bad yeah. enough, you know, you had somebody that'd be like, hey, you know what? Yeah, who, who never who, who never said yeah, never said it wasn't possible, never said you couldn't do it, never said, oh, why do you want to do that? You should become an accountant. And, and, I, and I think his parents had said that sort of thing to him, which is, which had a lot to do with why he was never going to say it to any of his kids. So, uh, which was great. And I feel very lucky for that. So what was the plan? So Star Wars, were you like 10, 11 ish? Uh, I was I was thirteen, I think. Okay. Um, what was the plan? <laughs> you you didn't even know enough that what to have a plan. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was a there was a dream a dream at that point, but didn't understand how to get it. You know, there was no internet or anything like that. So you you know, I remember going to the university library up at Simon Fraser University and looking through old copies of of American cinematographer and stuff like that and reading all these things and interviews with with filmmakers and things like that and trying to figure out how you did it and a lot of them went to usc and it's just kind of like well uh i, I don't have the money to go to <laughs> usc i try to get into the simon fraser film program and they they want you to write an essay uh and i tried twice and, and both times was rejected <laughs> um uh because i think my first essay was on blade runner and my second essay was on the thing and wow. um, and nice. was told that my my interests were far too creative i mean far too commercial and that uh i found out later you were supposed to you know you were supposed to write about the professor's movies their little, uh. their little art films that they made and that's what got you into the program so you know <laughs> Fuck those guys. <laughs> that's amazing. But that's cool to we're talking about two amazing movies to uh to write about. Yeah, yeah. I I I love those, you know, films. And and neither of them successful when they opened in 82. Both of them were were failures yet yet have become classics over time. Yeah. No, I talked to a bunch of people I worked on Blade Runner and uh yeah, no, it's one of those movies. There's so much that like went into that movie like the set design, it just, it was just different from other movies that were made around that time. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it, yeah. It was, uh, you know, it, and it opened the same weekend as Megaforce, um, the Hal Needham, Barry Bostwick classic. If you've <laughs> ever seen it, Megaforce is the worst. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, it's got Barry boss, you know, it's anti-terrorism, uh, fighters who wear gold spandex. Um, <laughs> Yeah, check that out. I like Barry uh, Boswick, so he, that uh Yeah, it's Barry Boswick, Michael Beck, okay. Mata, um, you know, uh Henry Silva. Uh, oh nice, it, yeah, good villain. The, yeah, yeah. Oh but it is beyond you you watch and you go, How 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 did this happen? <laughs> how did you make this? Yeah, I remember going to getting tickets for Blade Runner, and the the seven o'clock show was sold out. So got tickets for nine forty five, and then Megaforce was playing across the street, and and needless to say, it was not sold out. <laughs> and uh, going to, going to see Megaforce as as the as the uh, appetizer to Blade Runner. So uh, and Megaforce is just you know. Uh, Barry Boswick has has blown back hair and a blue <laughs> headband and gold spandex, and he flies on this motorcycle. And it's it's just 
ridiculously I got to check it. Well, I'll watch the trailer. I don't know if I'll sing 90 minutes. Yeah, so. watch the trailer. It's I, my I, life. You know, but... the, trailer, the trailer will tell you all you need to know. I bet. Uh, That's probably one of those movies yeah, that were like... Uh, much better than 90. Like money laundering movies. Like there's so many movies that came out in the 80s that you're like... And I've, re- I've listened to some interviews with directors talking about that. Basically, like the budget, like you watch that. I don't know what the budget of that movie, but it's funny. Sometimes when you watch a movie, especially nowadays, you look at IMDb and it's like, how was there 15 million in this movie? And it's like a movie that came out. Well, and, and, and I will tell you a lot of it's speaking from experience. Yeah. A lot of times that number is bullshit. Really? The number that's listed. In the yeah. Yeah. I, they say directly 2000 costs $50 million. It did not. It cost 29, oh, okay. uh, which was still too much. But and I've written to them saying that is not what this you know I've seen the budget I know what it costs that is not what this movie cost and 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 I get crickets in response. <laughs> um, They're like, yeah, we're not going to change it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who are you? You don't know anything. <laughs> so where did you end up? Uh, like, where was where did you go to school? Was it the film program you went to first? I ended up going. I ended up going to uh, Capilano College, which is now Capilano University, and, and they had a good, a really good uh, uh, sort of a media program. So they had, you know, it was photography and, and some film and some video production, and and uh, mostly what they had was equipment. They had a couple of really good teachers: Jim Bazoki, uh, Jerry Blitzstein, um, Peter Kellington, Peter Thompson. I remember those guys really well, and 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 who just sort of taught you basics and were fans of movies. Um, but their real thing was, well, we're we're told we're supposed to teach you how to be able to work in a in a uh, an IT department at a, at a college or university. Um, but myself and several other guys, uh, uh, and, and you know the the people I went to school with, all became you know, editors afterwards oh, uh, and things like that. And, and, uh, but it was access to gear. So we just sat and, you know, we, uh, shot industrial shot, anything and everything that, uh, that people would, uh, uh, pay us, you know, a hundred dollars to do, uh, and, and would be running all over with this gear, trying to learn how to do stuff. And, and that's, that's how we, that's how you know several of us started and, and uh um you know we're all sort of spread out all over the place now but 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 probably five or six people from that from from the, the that class in the year behind me um all went on to to edit in television and and, and uh, uh and a couple feature people and stuff like that that's pretty awesome did you ever link up with them yeah. like year like in recent years do you still talk to any of them some some of them, yeah, That's cool. yeah a couple of them. I, I I still I still still talk to you. You know, you sort of spread out as, uh, uh, um, but you know that 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 gave you know the end to being able to work in television, which is which was right at the cusp of of going into like electronic editing. So from from uh, you know when they used to cut on film, changing from film to electronic, and being sort of a keener who had a little bit of experience in that. And they were looking for anybody who had any experience. Um, that's how I managed to get in and, and, and start, you know, working as assistant editor on an apprentice editor on a show called uh, the hitchhiker, which was nice. one of, I think HBO's very first um, shows they ever made, which was sort of a, you know, a sexy thriller or, like the movie, oh, right? Is show. it like the Rucker Hauer movie, like in a TV? No, series? Oh, really? no. The, the 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 Hitchhiker was a TV series. It was an anthology TV. Oh yeah, series. the movie's The Hitcher. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was a little like, and it was a little like, uh, and this was be, before before The Hitcher. Um, and uh, I think it started the year before The Hitcher and afterwards. But yeah, The Hitchhiker is what it was called, and it. it, it um, you know, Philip Noyce directed some and Carl Schenkel and Colin Buxy, who directed like still directs like episodes of Billions and stuff oh, like that. You know, these guys, um, there were all sorts of interesting directors on it. And they had, you know, I think, uh, you know, they had interesting actors in them over the years in different episodes and things like that. And, and um, yeah, uh, uh, an editor friend of mine always refers to it as Yuppies Run Amok. <laughs> uh, because it was the eighties, so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yep, run amok and get terribly punished for their crimes. <laughs> uh, um, 
How'd you get that gig? Uh, Were they yeah. reaching out to local colleges because they were looking for experience? Yeah, or? yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was. Uh, they had an American editor and a Canadian editor because at the time, and I think they still do this uh, up in Canada. You have to, if you bring in an American editor, you have to hire a match. You know, so you're not displacing somebody. So you really? hire one American, one Canadian. And so the Canadian editor was was a was a guy I got introduced to, and I did some volunteer work for them on a on a different project, and they had an extra spot, and they hired me as the apprentice. And um, I had been learning the gear that they were using, a thing called the Montage Ones, uh, which was an old uh, early electronic system before Avid and everything like that. It wasn't digital; it was shuttled Betamax tapes. Um, and, uh, the other editor, you know, that editor was Michael Robeson, who's now, you know, does tons of TV and, and different TV movies and things like that. Done like two, 200, 250 hours of that stuff. <laughs> but the other editor on that was John Link. And John Link took that job on the hiatus from Predator. So he had just done the original shoot of predator and they had thrown the monster out <laughs> and he did this job while they were designing the new Stan Winston monster yeah. before they went back and reshot the actual monster in the, in January. So in that fall, this was the job he took. So I got to hear all these stories about the original shoot of predator and, and all the other stuff leading up to that. Um, <laughs> That's pretty cool. Jean-Claude, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, yeah. Was, uh... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, he didn't even know his name at the time. Mm -hmm. You know that guy. Not many in the praying mantis <laughs> suit. Yeah, in the praying mantis suit that everybody hated and thought stupid, and, and uh, you know, so heard all sorts of stories about that. And then, and and then, you know, and John had uh, his dad was like uh, was an editor or sound guy or something who who you know worked on and he you know John had been an assistant editor on Major Dundee you know the Sam Peckinpah movie oh, yeah. he cut Electric Glide Blue um, he, he 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 had an amazing resume and he went on to cut Die Hard like you know the year after that so um, you know th those were the two guys I learned from uh, on my first gig that's good that's pretty lucky and then right around that time because in vancouver obviously like the boom started i guess right around that time right where vancouver was full well, yeah it like really maybe gets few... going yeah. just after that yeah once canal comes in right stephen canal the their studio started in the year after with 21 jump street yeah. and wise guy yeah so i get it you're a wise as, guy too as, uh, no, I just worked on Jump Street. Okay. I was the first assistant editor on 21 Jump Street in the first and second season uh, when they nice. were still cutting in Los Angeles before they cut in L.A. And then went from Jump Street to MacGyver as an assistant editor, then moved up to editing on MacGyver when I was 24. Wow. So um, started editing on MacGyver and then and did that for uh two and a half seasons uh and uh and then went on to uh work for west craven and then worked for west craven for years when west came up and did a, a pilot uh, uh for a show that he'd done called nightmare cafe um it was an nbc show at the time they only did like six episodes but we met and, and hit it off and and that's that's how that got started really from that and then from there he like trusted you because yeah 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 he told he called me up and said you know i want to i want you to direct my next feature i mean edit my next feature when that when that when that uh is ready to go and at the time they thought it was going to be um uh village of the damned he was originally going to do village of the damned oh, wow. before john carpenter did um and and had quite a different script and they were uh waiting on linda hamilton uh who was playing the the mother uh, and she was the main, going to be the main character. And um, uh, if she had said yes, then that's what would have happened. Uh, but uh, I guess she hummed and hawed it eventually passed. And so then he had, he had in the interim, he had written what became Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which was uh, Nightmare 7 at the time. Um, and uh, New Line were desperate to make that. So because, you know, Village of the Dam wasn't going to happen, uh, he went and made New Nightmare instead. 
uh, and then I, he sponsored myself and my family and moved down to the States and, and in 1993 and, and, and cut Quest New Nightmare. Wow. That's such a cool movie the way he, uh, cause it's funny when you ever watch like, uh, uh, never go to sleep or never sleep again. The documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and when he, every, every movie after one between two and six, he's, he's interviewed and he's like, yeah, I saw it. I really didn't care for it. It wasn't the story that I liked. And then, Oh you know, no, he, I mean, he flatly hated the second. <laughs> I know, I know. That was the worst. <laughs> um, he may never said that, but he certainly said that to me and I don't think he'd mind me saying it now. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah. You know, the third one he, he had co-written, mm-hmm. um, um, was originally supposed to direct, but didn't direct. I don't, he, he never talked much about, you know, the, fourth and fifth and sixth ones he just sort of shrugged his shoulders at them but the, um, the other ones blew people up because wasn't it the third one was directed was that chuck russell directed that one third one was chuck russell and then remember any harlan it was the fourth Hopkins one yeah and, and, and yeah and rachel talley no yeah um, she, that's cool she got a shot of, when you watched yeah, the yeah. documentary that was yeah because she she started she she was the accountant in, yeah on the first film and wes always had very nice things to say about yeah, he, he was always very positive and, and was glad she got that opportunity. No, it's pretty. Sorry, I have a cat who's, oh, it's who's moaning at totally me. Totally <laughs> fine. But no, that's pretty cool because New Nightmare, obviously, it's such a different entry. And that's, I think, what Wes did. You know, his movies are really different because obviously New Nightmare and then, yeah. and then the Scream movies you worked on, which really, they started as like, they were kind of like a, a laugh, not a laugh in the face of horror, but they're kind of like spoofy the way they use all the tropes from I, I, other I mean, movies combined. A, I mean they're they're very self-aware yeah you know they're they're they become their own character within within the within the world I mean the thing about New Nightmare is that it's it, it's actually really horrific oh and, dude and frightening I think it, it you know Wes was was a lot of it was about the experience that he had gone through in making the movie and sort of the world within the world. Um, some of the experiences that that I think Heather had actually had following that 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 weren't related to nightmare fans, but were related to other things that made him want to tell that story in that way. And it was re- such a unique way to do it, you know, to have Robert playing Robert yeah. and Bob Shea and, and, you know, everybody, we actually cut out Mike DeLuca. Um, although I've spoken to Mike many times since then about that. And he was like, Oh, you're bad. better. I was better off without me. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, it was a, it was a big swing because it was, it was an unusual take, you know, it wasn't quite as successful as they hoped. If, you know, it opened the same weekend as Pulp Fiction, which, which uh. was, uh, uh, the, the movie everybody remembers for that time. But, uh, yeah, I have a, I have a, uh, a lot of, uh, pride in having worked on new nightmare i think west did an amazing job on it and i think it you know there's so many things when you when you watch the film you know the earthquake sequences most of the earthquake sequences were shot before the northridge earthquake oh really they went back afterwards and shot collapsed buildings to cut in but he had written that into the story before the northridge earthquake happened holy shit <laughs> but but even between that so obviously you had west that was like a champion in your corner that you worked on yeah, with a bunch, yeah but I was very lucky from there to, you worked to, on to, some to cool movies in between yeah. uh that and scream vampire in brooklyn yeah doctor yeah, who movie vampire, you know vamp- yeah that uh i i did a number right back to back that i was really lucky lucky to do you know vampire in brooklyn which was for wes again which was um you know it vampire in brooklyn was a was a weird thing because the you know eddie wanted to make serpent in the rainbow that's not not specifically that but that's what he wanted vampire in brooklyn to be. yeah um that sort of scary intense um and the studio wanted you know uh wes's version of beverly hills cop uh (laughs) and and so there was a real disconnect over uh you know wes was dragged into sherry lansing's office not 
physically, maybe physically, right? <laughs> um, and, and, you know, during production as they're shooting and she's yelling at him going, you know, it needs to be funny, you know, like, 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 like the shining when, when Jack says, here's Johnny, it needs to be funny. <laughs> and Wes is just like, do you hear yourself? You're telling me it needs to be funny. Like the shining, <laughs> that's what you're saying. Yeah. And, and so, so that, that was, that was a problem. You know, the, the original version of the script had this, all this great epic stuff in it. It was, you know, Charlie Murphy and, and the, and the two other writers who worked on it, um, you know, Eddie's brother, um, who played it, believe it since passed away, but yeah. you know, they had a really fun, big, you know, vampire action movie in Brooklyn. You know, the end was, was, was took place on an oil tanker that was hanging off the side of the Brooklyn bridge. It was a fight in around this and it, I mean, it was spectacular. And, um, and they didn't have the money for it and they refused to give them the money for it. They wouldn't, you know, they, I think they only shot in Brooklyn for like three days and the rest of it was all shot in the back lot. And, and, and I think, you know, Eddie at the time, um, he'd had a long relationship with Paramount, but I think both of them were getting a little at odds with, and, uh, you know, it, so the, with the budget cuts, it ended up being a fist fight. Oh. <laughs> you know, a fist fight in an apartment. Yeah. And, 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 and it's one of those perfect examples of like a, like a death of a thousand cuts. The, the, the original first cut of that movie is, is, uh, it's almost like over two and a half hours long. Oh my God. There's, and, and what happened is, is every, every time a big horror action set piece was replaced, it was replaced with a dialogue scene. It did not happen all at once. It happened bit by bit by bit. So suddenly we had this talking head movie <laughs> uh, that was supposed to be this, you know, Eddie Murphy horror comedy action movie. And it, it was, and because it had happened in these little increments, people didn't totally notice that was what was happening. Yeah. Uh, because you're also just desperate to get it started and get it made and, and just, you know, please let us survive. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I think that was one of the challenges with that. Cause I think that, you know, the intentions of it were so much bigger and broader. And, uh, um, and it, um, and years later when, you know, when Wes made cursed, oh, yeah. he kept trying to refuse cursed because he says, I made this movie. <laughs> It's called Vampire in Brooklyn, and it didn't work because of these reasons. Um, and then history just repeated itself in, in even worse ways. Um, but that's, you know, that's for later. But man, that's pretty yeah. wild. Yeah, sometimes the studio just, I'm sure you've dealt with that working with all different studios over the years, right? When they get, when they get involved, especially the stories with New Line over the years. People would do that, or even well, you know, it, it it all depends on on who who has the the voice and and their passion for movies. You know, uh, some studio people and, and and producers are hugely passionate about movies, and and as such, um, are great partners. You know, and the trick is always just making the same movie as as them. Um, others have very different ideas um you know i think uh, uh on editing mimic for guillermo del toro um it was very clear that the movie dimension films thought they were getting and the movie that guillermo was making were not the same movie <laughs> um you know when you when you see on the call sheet day 75 or 50 um you know things have gone around. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and, and a, on new nightmare, part of the deal was, is that Wes had final cut. If it scored um, 72 or higher at the preview, um, <laughs> I think it scored like 74. Wow. On the first screening. And, and Bob Shea was almost enraged. <laughs> that Wes had final cut <laughs> there was nothing they could tell him um you know and uh the very first screening we had for new line was a technical disaster but eventually all worked out 
And uh, there was 30 something executives and Bob Shea spoke first and he was a little disappointed because the movie's a slow burn and stuff like that. And just blah, 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 blah. I think it needs to do this, this and this. And, and then he went around the room asking all those people and Wes was there and I was there and, and, and the producer was there. And, and, and every other exec, you know, executive or junior assistant would ever start going, well, basically I agree with Bob, you know, and Bob Shea. Uh, and, Except for Mike DeLuca. DeLuca spoke last. You know, DeLuca now runs Warner Brothers. Yeah. Uh, the film, the film, the And DeLuca was just like, nah, I totally disagree. I think this is a really sophisticated piece of suspense. I totally get why you were doing the slow burn. I think it's so much better than any of the other movies. And it, it is completely the kind of movie we want to make for this franchise. <laughs> and, and it was, and he had the last word. Uh, you know, DeLuca produced uh, 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 Drive Angry, and we went to him. Part of the reason we went took that movie to him because we had a lot of people wanting that at the time. Fools how they were. Um, <laughs> um, was 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 because of that experience, and I told him that. I said, you know, that moment when you, you know, we had almost gone with somebody else, another producer, which would have been a disaster. <laughs> and Mike said, no, 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 I, I want to, I do it, and. And we canceled the agreement with the other guy, you know, saying, okay, well, let's not agree. And we hadn't sent him any paperwork or anything. And and then went to Mike and and within minutes, we're like, oh, he's the guy. Uh, And, and, uh, and then so much of it was based on that experience on your network. Wow. So at this point, like, like it's right. You just mentioned Mimic before and then Scream 96. So you didn't direct the f- the first movie until, was it the Prophecy 3 was the first one you did or Dracula? Yeah, Prophecy 3 was the first thing. Was the, yeah, was the first thing cool. I directed. Uh, you know, they, they, they made a deal with me to, you know, they wanted, you know, Dementia Films wanted me to stay editing for them. Um, uh, and so I did halloween h2o for them after screen two um uh, and they were like and then we'll you'll direct nice. prophecy for us but then they were like oh but we need you to cut music of the heart for west and then we want you to do this other thing and then we want in and they went, but then you have to do screen three and then i mean which was great you know that as they say uh, a friend of mike clark henderson who worked for them for years used to always say you know they don't pay you for what you do but what they do to you <laughs> <laughs> um, um and and knowing all those you know all the stories about them are pretty true um um but but at the same time, you know, uh, Bob uh, Weinstein gave me a, a chance to direct that movie, um, uh, Prophecy, and and the two executives, uh, Richard Potter and uh, uh, and Andrew Rona, were were great and very supportive, and and we had Christopher Walken for seven days, and and uh, a very different story before we started shooting, uh, which was pretty cool, and then they. We're like, yeah, that that character that has that one line of dialogue. We want them to be the main character now, and <laughs> and we want you to get rid of this whole part of it, and and then we want you to do. And it was just like, what? Um, and and Joel Swisson, who produced it and co-wrote it uh, with Carl DePrey, you know, said to me, "You just have to love every mutant child." Uh, <laughs> um, it was just like, oh man, okay. Um, and we changed it to what it is. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's fun. And <laughs> yeah. It has some fun action to it. And, and and Chris was great and was great to work with. And, and, and Vince Spano was great. And, you know, we had Brad Dourif and, and uh, uh, Steve Heitner and stuff like that. You know, it, it, angels running in muck and motorcycle chases. And, 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 uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a fun experience. Yeah, but you got your shot, which is cool. Is that something like throughout the '90s? Obviously, yeah. Wes was keeping you busy. Were you always like reaching out or saying, "Hey, I want to direct"? Reaching out to to for like directorial jobs or anything like that. I I was I was cautious about that. Yeah, you know that I I you meet so many like PAs or whatever who just come in and it's like, well, you know, I, this is I don't want to do this. I want to direct, and, and you know, and it's sort of this is like, you know, be careful with that. Be careful <laughs> who you tell that to. Yeah, uh, because because it sort of makes you look like a dumbass. 
Uh, now, you know, things are a little different now because everybody has a camera, on their, you know, on their phone. Yeah. They would go do whatever they wanted and incredibly high res and things like that. So, um, uh, I wanted to do it and then they offered it because I'd had a chance to go, uh, edit, uh, a big feature away from them. Uh, and they were like, no, 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 no. Uh, what, what, what will it take to keep to keep you here? Uh, you know, what if we give you an opportunity? Um, and so that you know, and because at the time there was this huge direct video market, right? You know, that was a huge thing at the time. That chance to do that uh, it was actually a big deal. You know, we we uh, I think the budget ended up on prophecy was. It was just under five million in nineteen ninety eight. Now three million of that was was above the line. Uh, you know, they had said we want to make it for three million, and Joel had said the only way you can make this movie th- for three million is if you don't shoot a frame, <laughs> um, because of you know the the original producers, the original writer, they all got a piece of the action. Yeah, um, they all got they all got a lot more than I did. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and Chris Chris got over million, i'm sure so yeah. so uh yeah and 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 you know it yeah so it it now you would you know you wouldn't you wouldn't make you know you, that movie wouldn't be made yeah you know people wouldn't spend that money it's trying to get five million for anything is is nightmarish <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah um but it it was a great opportunity and and Worked with some really cool people, and, and uh, I was very grateful for it. That's awesome. So, when you're a director, are you managing the budget, or is that something that the producer is, or somebody that is going to you? Like, it hey. depends. You know, it, it's a different. I think different directors do it differently. Yeah. Um, you know, I've I always a lot of companies these days don't ever want you to see the budget. They don't want you to know what it really is. Uh, what the numbers really are. So they're very guarded about that. Um, um, Joel and those guys were very, were very open about it because, you know, I was responsible. And so as such, they're like, okay, this is where we need to make cuts. This is what we need to do. We need to bring this down to this, this, and this. And, And I always tell producers I work with, this is like, if you, if you bring me in in those conversations, I can help you save money. Yeah. We can figure out ways to do it. There's so many different ways to tell the story. Um, but if you don't tell me what the problem is, you know, I, I don't know how to solve it for you or help you solve it. You know, and just, you know, often you'll your producers and stuff. They'll just make this sort of blanket thing. Well, we're just going to cut the sequence. It's like no, 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 no. That's 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 not the thing to do. The thing to do is figure out what your issue is. Let's figure out a different way to 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 do that. You know, we we this last film we were on, they were the I was on, and and um, there was a thing of you know the the original UPM left the show for all sorts of reasons but uh um when he was there he was just he was just trying to cut stuff that was like what what do you, why are you cutting that <laughs> and 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 it's and he would just make these blanket statements and and then we, we went in and just like no 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 let's let's look at what we're actually going to see so we're not actually going to see that so let's get rid of this part of this and this part of that and and actually focus on the things that are going to be in there you you know them may, doing it in a vacuum where they're saying oh we're just going to cut this is is the worst yeah. um because it's like no 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 it's it, it, it's like only build what you'll see and 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 only pay for what you're what you'll see and and don't hesitate to re, to really look at what that is uh, you know, some people are like, well, I need everything. Well, you don't need everything. <laughs> you have to have a little discipline if you don't have the money. If you've got the money, sure, have everything. Yeah. Be a Marvel movie, have everything. <laughs> yeah, that's working for everybody these days. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but if you don't, if you're not that, then you you have to be very in tune with what it's going to be. And my experience, you know, directing and, and being an editor was always incredibly valuable. Um, because I had, you know, I could, could reverse engineer from what it was going to be in the cut. Yeah. 
So we, we don't need this, we're gonna need this. We don't need that, we're gonna need this. Uh, we don't need to redo all these takes. This line's going to play here. This line's going to play there. It, you know, we actually have this, and and being able to move on because some people don't do that, right? They they hose everything down. They do too many takes. They you know they start chasing something as opposed to you know the better is always the enemy of the good. So when you keep chasing for better, and you have good, yeah. it's, that's you know unless you have the money and the time. Um, but nobody, nobody gives you that anymore. Unless you're so, David Fincher and so you make you people to... do like 200 takes. Right. <laughs> right. Well, you know, which is, that's an old uh, Kubrick. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, that's, there, there are very few people who are at that level who, who can do that. Yeah. So if you're not at that level and you can't do that and you don't have that kind of support, then you have to figure out how to maximize what you do have. I think that's, that's what works well, ha- having like the editing background. Like you said, like that's so great that you could do that while you're, because you visualize it. Not saying directors that just direct it over years, they learn from that, but you have that already in your thought process, which has got to be so helpful. Yeah, while you're on set. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's totally true. So when it comes to like budgets, like, like you mentioned, like how much it was, like 3 million, they said, and then five. Is it more difficult if it's like, like to manage a larger budget? I know you. I know you said you don't know. Like they don't really tell you, but I'm sure a movie like Drive Angry was up there in the movies that you directed, right? Drive Driving Drive Angry. I can tell you exactly what it was made for. Um, um, minus Nicholas's fee, <laughs> uh, Nick's fee, and and so the actual physical cost of making Drive Angry was fifteen point two million dollars. Fifteen, really? Yeah. Now the reports that you read online say it costs anywhere between forty and fifty and whatever. And it's just kind of like, well, on paper, maybe that's what people say it costs. The actual below the line budget. You know, I know Nick's Nick's fee above that. You know, I think Nick at the time may have made something like eleven on it. So <laughs> that's so. So that, uh, that makes, uh, you know, so that brings the budget up to like 26 and things like that. Um, and then there's other fees and other fees and other fees and other fees and other fees. The money we had to make the movie was 15.2. Wow. Um, so, so, uh, but granted Nick is a big part of that. So the 11, you have to factor that. In. Um, but it, it's, um, you know, there there are weird restrictions with each. Now, I never saw the budget. I was told the number. Yeah. Uh, um, and But no, the budget was not anything. And, I, and of course, you're forbidden to talk about it. It's now so many years behind. <laughs> yeah. that I don't think anybody will give a shit. So, um, uh, and if they do, you know, you know oh, well. Yeah. You know, they, and there are different fees and things like that and blah, 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 blah. That's a good looking movie. Like, I know it's 2011. Good special effects. If you think about it, like I know, I know you said you have to factor in Nick's fee, but you know, five six million for Prophecy Three. Hey, his, his fee is it's uh, that's the yeah yeah. You know? Oh no, that that was it was a good budget. And, good movie, and, and we had like 40, 45 days to shoot it, and wow. uh, uh, it was the longest longest shoot personally I've I've had. And, and well, in directly two thousand, we actually shot more days because we moved from Toronto to, to New Orleans and and. Um, you know, we, we only did like one day of pickup shoots and drive angry. Um, we didn't, you know, I think overtime on one day of those 45 days. Um, cause they were like, you know, we don't want you to do any overtime. And I was just like, okay, just, <laughs> just tell me where the fence is yeah. and I'll play within the fence, but you have to tell me where the fence is. Um, if not, we're just going to do whatever. Um, uh and uh you know and and nick was amazing to work with you know he came in knowing every line of dialogue and and having really interesting a really interesting take on the character and many variables of it um you know he said i could do it like this i could play like this i could play you know he had different ways to do it and we sort of went for this um, you know, this ghost, this Edgar Allan Poe ghost, uh, via the Terminator was the thought <laughs> was that was, that was, the, that was how he was going to do it. 
Um, and, and Fickner was amazing and Billy Burke. And, and, and I, I think it's, you know, the best thing Amber Heard's done. And, uh, and of course we had Tom Atkins oh, and, yeah. and David Morris and, you know, and, you know, uh, who were all wonderful. It was Tom Atkins birthday yesterday. I saw that. Yeah. We just talked about Halloween yeah. three, like, uh, a month ago. And it's so funny. Like every woman in that movie, he seems like he slept with. He flirts with every woman, and like, there's only like four women in the movie. He's, he's, but he's Tom Atkins. I know. I mean, I come know. on, <laughs> he is the silver fox. He is. Yes. <laughs> now, now, quick, like back, uh, back to like the scream movies, because I think those are the, like the horror mm. movies that, like, as a who done it. It's not like a lot of times horror movies were like that, and that that's I was like. I think 11 or 12 when it came out. And uh, those are my favorite movies. Like they were so good. I love scream too. Yeah. But yeah. And, and that's, a, you know, that's, that's a huge credit to Kevin Williamson. Who wrote oh yeah. It, right. Cause, cause so many of the, so many of the original outside of Michael Myers and, and, and Jason and stuff. So many of the original uh, slasher movies are whodunits. Yeah. You know, Prom Nights who done it, Terror Trains who done it, my Polly Valentine's who done it, uh, uh, Happy Birthday to Me. Uh, you know, they're all whodunits. Um, that's what they are. They're, 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 and then there were none, right? Yeah. There I get the Christie. Yep. Um, yeah. yeah. With kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you know, yeah. now, when you're editing the movie, do you know from the beginning, do you get the script and you know, who it is at the end? Oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you know that. So, you know, when we were uh, cutting Scream the the first time, um, there was one scene we cut out that it was with Billy and Stu, and just the way they played it, you you were like, oh, it's them, and and it and it happened before the party. It was like at sunset. And whatever we're like we can't keep this scene oh cool it just it it, it tells you <laughs> and so we cut that out um you know another that there was just trims and stuff but but uh you know it was a uh you know we weren't sure how scary it was until we previewed it for an audience you know we all thought the mystery worked uh really well um, you know, it's one of the, the thing I love about Scream is that the two bad guys are the smartest people in the room. Yeah. They are never discovered. They reveal themselves. You know, that's a really significant change. Yeah. It's not like, like, you know, Sydney doesn't figure it out. They reveal themselves <laughs> and it's just like, Oh, <laughs> you know, each time she thinks she figures it out. It, you know, there's something that they, they throw her off because they are the smartest. Um, and I think for each one of the sequels and everything that, that follows it, that's a real challenge because it's something to live up to. Right? Yeah. And, you know, the first one is is so original out of the gate. And, you know, and, and Wes and Kevin were so in sync. And I know when they had were looking for directors on, on the original one and Wes had turned it down and several times, and, you know, until they made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Um, <laughs> you know, so many of the other directors who I think may met on screen when it was called Scary Movie felt it was more of a comedy. It was called Scary Movie. Uh, yeah, it's the original time. That's pretty funny. And then they made the spoof movie a couple of years yeah, later the, called the, Scary. Movie. Yeah, the, the the yeah the slates for the first part of the shoot are all say Scary Movie. That's awesome. Um, and uh, uh, West never shot it. You know, he shot his movie that had some funny lines in it, but he shot it straight. He he refused to be in on the joke uh, that there was, you know, and and, I, and that's I think the success of that movie is it's such a mix of of not not just you know horror. I mean, it's a brutal movie. Yeah, uh, Drew Barrymore's death at the beginning oh. is, is is so horrific. Um, and tragic, um, you know, that, that it sets you and, and Wes had said that, you know, he had said that, you know, you have to make the audience think you're insane. You have to show them that they are not safe. Um, and then they'll doubt everything you do. It buys you, you know, character development time and you can do all these other, 
other things because they will just be so unhinged by what you've done out of the gate. And that's what that opening sequence is a brilliant demonstration of. Yeah. And when you think of the movie, like she's the name that people recognize. The most famous people in that movie are her and Henry Winkler. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah. You know, it's Drew Barrymore and the and the Fonz. And the Fonz, and that's uh, one of my favorite forget, parts pe- of the movie is Freddie, Fred the janitor. Yeah, that's so cool. Fred the janitor. Yeah, Wes Wes's little cameo, <laughs> and that's actually Freddie Krueger's sweater. <laughs> that's me. That's the that, that's the real because Wes kept all those. Costumes. Oh, really? That's, that's, that's awesome. The real. That's, oh yeah, that's the real thing. Uh, that he brought up to do that for his cameo. Yeah. Do you have a favorite of the sequels you worked on, like two or three? That's um, I think they both have great stuff in them. I love the openings of all three movies. Oh yeah, the openings I think are yeah. I think each opening is great. Um, there's sequences in the other ones. The first one I think is is definitely you know the best of all of them. Um, uh, there's lots of things in the second one I, I really like. I love the cop car sequence. Uh, you know when they're in the cop car Ugh, and the guy talking about brutal. Yeah, that's and, brutal. Yeah, Sarah Michelle yeah. Geller, um, uh, her scene's yeah, great. Yeah, the ending sequence I yeah, think is pretty great. You know, like that's pretty frightening. Like Jerry, Jerry O'Connell, oh, yeah. and, and but you know, uh, yeah, the ending sequence I think is fantastic. Yeah, and and and. Um, I love Cotton Weary's arc in that yeah. in that one. Uh, it was great. Um, I love the fact that the third movie movie opens with with Cotton. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the third movie is a little more because it didn't have Kevin on it. It's a little more Scooby Doo. Um, I think the mystery doesn't really work as well because it doesn't matter. Yeah. I think in the first two movies, the mystery is more personal. I think the third movie, it's sort of like, well, it had to be somebody. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, the, the thing I love in the third movie is Patrick Dempsey and 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 Nev's relationship. Yeah. I thought that was really good. I and I I hope if you know if they do get Nev back for Scream Seven or whatever, they bring Dempsey back. I think they have to, and because his. Yeah, because that that his character in, in that film and how he played it, because he didn't know at the time they were shooting at any given day in the third one, because they they were making it for a for a release date, and and they didn't have a finished script when they started. He didn't know if he was a killer or not. Really? So Wes had cool. told him to play that. Now the first you know, the scene in the police station was, I think, one of the first scenes they shot. Um, and they, and he hadn't even read, Dempsey hadn't even read the whole script. So he plays it in such an interesting way. He's playing it that way because he has no idea where the character's going. Wow. That's cool. At all. So there's so many interesting things that he does and, and, and it, editing that scene was so much fun because, because of him, because he did all these, these nuanced things and she's at different points sort of trusting and then completely suspicious of him. And, and, and that's because nobody knew what, what was going to happen. That's a pretty interesting course, way to do it. Has Parker... <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it's not the ideal, yeah, way to yeah, do it, yeah. but it, it certainly, they made it work. Yeah. And, and the third one has Parker Posey, who is just awesome. awesome. So. And then uh, I think Timothy Olfant, yeah, I, I think Parker. he's so good. And that was like young him. Like yeah. go was a, year or two after that oh it's one of his first things yeah yeah, yeah. no timothy oliphant was great he's a good villain yeah oh yeah yeah one of the Mickey. best and then now so for yeah. the, like yeah. back to directing wise because i don't want to take up too much time mm. i always try to make this right around an hour but i think it's so cool like you do dracula 2000 and then you do the two sequels after that but i think one of the best yep. movies i personally that i think you've done maybe you'll agree is my bloody valentine because i think it's so hard to do a remake because you have something that is sort of in your mind, yeah. right? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I, you know, I, um, I actually really loved working on that film and had a, a great experience on it. You know, we shot it in native 3D and then and, and with cameras that were built two days before we started shooting. Oh so, you know, everything we did on that show was like, oh, nobody's ever done this before. So, we, you know, it was, it was, filmmaking wise it was a bit of an agonizing experience um but it's um you know 
watching the original, we wanted the 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 opening sequence to be like a truncation of the entire original film. So so that's how we how we approached it, and 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 we're you know with uh, Todd Farmer, who I you know wrote Drive Angry with, and who wrote uh, he and Zane Smith wrote Monument um, um, Valentine. Um, you know, we we Todd and I talked a lot about the the homages homages uh, um, to the original film, how we wanted to take people on that journey, um, and almost have them then pick up ten years later. Um, we you know loved the mine setting, loved the whole look of the miner. Um, you know, I thought it was a great villain. Um, and then you know we went through several iterations of who was the killer. You know, I think in Zane's version, it was Axel, like in the original. Um, and, 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 and Axel had the real Harry Warden in a cage in the basement and kept him there for 10 years. <laughs> uh, he was still the sheriff and he was still uh, married to, to Sarah Palmer. But it was just like, that's crazy. Um, and then, and then there was another version that, where Harry Warden was the actual real killer, that he was always there and just came back to town. And, and then when we, when Todd and I went in and redid it, that, that uh, uh, Tom was in fact the killer himself and was sort of looking for himself. Tom was the hero and the villain simultaneously. That that became the thing that was the most interesting to us. And and certainly it was interesting to Jensen when we got Jensen. And, yeah. And, you know, Jensen was very adamant. He didn't want to play it like like somebody who knew that he was the bad guy. He wanted to play it like somebody like he didn't know, you know, I've had uh, somebody recently asked me if, you know, was, was it a, a multiple personality or was it, uh, uh, was he possessed by Harry? And it's, you know, there's arguments for both. Yeah. You, you, you know, if we'd ever done a sequel, we had a, we had a different explanation uh for why tom was the way he was but it's uh um you know it, 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 it basically you know that's the viewer's choice whatever you, whatever works for you is what he is yeah did you have a sequel uh, written yeah, or anything fun. or uh we did yeah, cool. yeah we 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 did and and went to new lines i'm not new lines to Lionsgate to do it you know because the movie made a ton of money yeah and and you know they were about to be bought up by carl icon and and that that the success of that opening weekend of that movie kept them from being bought that would save their company um and they were like you know we we don't want to make movies like this anymore they were starting to phase out their saw movies they were starting to 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 feel that they were in a different arena than that kind of movie i I remember being told by one of the execs there that it was just sort of a blunt hit in the face and it's just sort of like the title tells you what it yeah, is yeah 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 <laughs> that is you know it it, it 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 the title is not subtle and so that's what we made a movie that was not subtle. yeah um so we we you know when we went back to them probably every year and then every other year and then every three years and stuff after that movie came out and then just you know i hear rumors that they're gonna redo it and reboot it and do whatever and, and but you know it's uh but yeah we we wrote a we wrote a really fun that's cool fun version that brought everybody back and, and they all would have come back um they all said that so um and uh had some really <laughs> cool scenes in it and, like, and still managed to figure out that way of making making jensen's character both the hero and the villain yeah um simultaneously it's like man we saved your company do fun. our sequel <laughs> yeah yeah but they they were you know i i, I it was it's funny I, I i just heard a lot of people say that well you know the, the only reason that movie made any money was because of the 3d and it was just kind of like mm. well, the 3d movie came out at that time and didn't you know it, it was sort of dismissed because of that and i was just kind of like well yeah. I think there's a little more to it than that but you know, it's all water under the bridge. Yeah, usually, like when people get say that, maybe it's for opening week. But when there's sustained success, you know, that's where the difference yeah. is. Because usually, yeah. if you look at any movie that they say "quote unquote" bombed, 
you look at the first week and it's like, oh, the next week drops and then it's just, and then it's out of the theaters, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and at the time we, we, there was only like 900 or something 3D theaters and we were only in the theaters, those 3D theaters for three weekends. Wow because then Coraline was coming open and then we got pulled out. So the movie would have made even more money if it had been managed to keep the theaters even longer. Jesus. Um, but that wasn't the nature of, of how that worked at that time uh, in 2009. So, so, you know, it is what it is, but, but it is, you know, we're all, uh, Todd and I frequently talk about how, you know, we would love to have gone back in and brought back, you know, uh, uh, Jensen and Kerr and, and Jamie and Ed, Eddie Gafegi. Uh, we'd even joked about trying to bring Tom Atkins back with an iron jaw. But... <laughs> no, <that's true. laughs> Clanking away. <laughs> yeah, Todd's pre- he's very pretty interesting because the way he was able to write that Jason X script, I think, is pretty wild. That it's like, hey, we want you to write yeah. this movie, but hey, you can't af- do anything that would affect a Freddy vs. Jason. So that it's like, oh, you know what? We'll just yeah. have him go into the future, you know? Yeah. No, it was he, – he, he, yeah, they, they gave him a, a very oddly specific set of restrictions. Yeah. And he and he defeated their yeah, restrictions. Um, yeah, but Todd, Todd, Todd's a Todd, – Todd's a – you know he's a clever fellow, <laughs> so I'm not surprised he did that. So I know Patrick, you're working on stuff right now. Is it aftermath? Is what you just got done with, or yeah, aftermath? We 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 we've just uh, finished it. Cool. Um, so I'm not sure where it will land in the in the you know in the because it was an independent movie and sales and distribution and things like that. But we literally got the last visual effect shots in like like three weeks ago. Cool, and and it's. Yeah, you know, we shot it last year, but it was it was a we knew there was going to be a, a lot of visual effects just because of where it takes place and the nature of that. But uh, but it was a great cast and it's a fun, exciting movie. It's very much an action movie. Uh, Dylan Sprouse and Mason Gooding, who was in the last two screen movies, and oh, cool. going to be in the next one. Um, uh, and uh, Deach and Lockman and, and Megan Stott, and, and they were so much fun to work with. And, and you know, it was a uh, yeah, it's a it's a fun little action movie that that has uh, uh, has a vibe. I was somebody said, oh, this movie like feels like a, like an intense horror movie, but it's an action movie. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, all right, cool, yeah, you're right. That's what that's uh, yeah, you're that, like. That's I, I have experience with that, um, you know. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know, that's 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 just where my brain goes. But uh, but it's fun. So uh, you know, look for it when it when it drops. That's awesome, man, Patrick. This has been uh, great. I, one thing yeah. I wanted to call out was I think it's so cool whenever people work on something and later on they're in a in different iteration. I thought it was cool you got to direct an episode of uh, Scream the TV series. Yeah, yeah. They'd originally asked me to do the 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 pilot, but I was in the middle of the whole Terminator. Uh, thing oh, at the cool. time uh, when I was working on Terminator Genesis, so I couldn't do it. Um, um, but I remember reading it, and 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 uh, you know, I remember what Wes's input of the pilot was. You know, don't 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 try and roll a severed head into a hot tub. Uh, severed heads don't roll really well. <laughs> you have to throw it. <laughs> um, and then was thrilled to be able to come back the year after. And, and, and work on that it was actually really fun even though you know it was a different mask and stuff like yeah. that you know it sort of under, understood the dynamics of, of the series uh, um, yeah yeah and then used a lot of the sort of the screen stuff on an episode of the purge that I did which, oh really that's cool had a lot of yeah yeah had a lot of sort of flashery elements to it and and uh even more so i think than the episode of screen uh the series um which was which was really fun that's cool yeah check that out no i like i like the scream the tv series i thought it was pretty good for an mtv show i thought that was like really well done yeah yeah and a good cast and you know will fitzgerald and 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 uh back to the crowds and and the 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 all the other guy, you know, people in it. Yeah. The, the Tracy Bindorf, who of course was who was in uh, New Nightmare, yeah, played yeah. the mom. Oh yeah, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. So you know, they have so all sorts of West connections there, and uh, um, 
yeah, I, I think he was very supportive of that before he passed, uh, that that was going to go on. He passed, you know, passed the, just before it came out. No, oh, wow. But, uh, yeah, I was very lucky to work for work with him. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. Yeah, no, one of the best. I've never talked to anybody that worked with him in the 90s, but I talked to people I worked with him in the, uh, on the first Hills I Have Eyes, and then Hills I Have Eyes oh, 2, yeah. I talked <laughs> to somebody, uh, Kevin Spiritus. So it was cool hearing <laughs> these different portions of Wes's career and it seems like he was always the the same which is good to to hear about people that they yeah, don't yeah change. Very, very very much you know and he's very smart and, and very funny and and you know had this sort of uh, wry wit about him and 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 uh yeah he, he was he was uh very giving of his knowledge i was really lucky to to with it because I would just ask him questions yeah. the whole time. Well, why'd you do that? For? Why, why'd you win this? Oh, we were running out of time. <laughs> um, yeah. And, 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 and well, I was just hoping we'd get away with it. <laughs> and, um, you know, he, he had a really good nuts and bolts sense of things and then also a great sense of character and, and where, you know, that so many of his movies always end with, you know, the evil coming home yeah. uh, to the house, you know, whatever that is. Cause he just says, says yeah, that's, that's where most evil happens to most people is at home. So yeah. <laughs> it's like, cool. Uh, dark. But uh, uh, I was, yeah, dark. So, but you know, he had that streak. Yeah. Well, Patrick, this is awesome, man. I'll look out for aftermath and uh, thanks so much for taking the time. I'm glad we finally connected. Right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Great, great to talk to you. I'm glad it worked yeah, out. Yeah, No problem, man. Have a great rest of your night. Man, Patrick was great. How amazing was just hearing about that the one cut of Scream, they really thought, "Mm, this shows who the two killers are, or single killer, if you haven't seen it. If you haven't, come on, watch Scream. Get Paramount Plus already, watch it. The best movies ever. The best, best movies ever. And just his connection with Wes, like how important Wes was to his career. And how they connected at the right time. And they were just the perfect, perfect fit for each other. From New Nightmare on, it was all, you know, Patrick editing for Wes. And uh, those bonds are very important in Hollywood. And you'll hear from anybody that you talk to or any of their other interviews that, you know, I've done over the years. It's connections, you know, and like his connection with like Todd Farmer. So he talking talking about Todd and my buddy Valentine and the idea they have for a sequel, which would be pretty rad. But yeah, Patrick was a blast. Thank you, Patrick. And now your homework, Scream 2. It's on Paramount Plus. If you haven't seen it, why not? And it was like 20, it came out 27 years, 26 years ago, December. So Almost the, you know, 26th anniversary. I don't know what that anniversary is. Maybe it's like string. I don't know. That was a silly guess. But yeah, so that'll be a lot of fun. I think Jamie's seen it. Probably hasn't seen it in a while. So it'd be good to hear his take on one of my favorite sequels of all time. So don't forget to review, rate, share our podcast. Follow us on all social media at Sequels Only. And don't forget to check out our website, SequelsOnly.com. Good night. Good night. Good night, guys.